take your Bible and go to Ephesians chapter 2. Tome su Biblia ahí y vaya conmigo a Efesios, el capítulo 2. Those of you who are at home, uh, I want you to do the same thing. Make sure, uh, make up your mind not to get distracted. What's up, brother? Make up your mind not to get distracted and uh, to stay focused tonight on what God would have to say to your heart. I know that when you are at home, uh, it is 100% easier to get distracted and to miss out on what God is wanting to say. So be attentive tonight as you are, as I encourage you to be every time. I know some of you are unable to be here, uh, but where you are, God is. And God is in this place, and he's where you are tonight and he's speaking. I've been sharing with you from the message, uh, the, the subject of the masterpiece. He estado compartiendo con ustedes sobre uh, la enseñanza de la obra maestra. I spoke to you about the masterpiece uh, Hall of Faith. Les hablé sobre uh, el, el cuadro o uh, el salón de fe. Y hablamos sobre esos... Uh, Esos personajes en la Biblia cuyas vidas para nosotros son una obra maestra. I spoke to you about the masterpiece life of some of the great men and women of the Bible. Last week we turned into a new volume and right now we're dealing with uh, the masterpiece and we're dealing with becoming the person that God created you to be. Uh, esta semana, la semana pasada, la semana anterior, Comenzando una, un, una sección nueva, hablando sobre la obra maestra, siendo la persona que Dios te creó para ser. And I think tonight uh, we're going to have a very important study and talk about uh, this important topic. Vamos a hablar esta noche sobre algunos detalles muy importantes. I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic and I have preached uh, about that and regarding that, uh, estamos en medio de una pandemia, he hablado sobre eso, he enseñado sobre eso, pero um, no, uh, como compartí la semana pasada, no por eso se ha detenido el plan de Dios para tu vida. Uh, and not because of the pandemic or because of the challenges that you're facing right now, has God changed his mind or his plan about your life. Say amen if you believe that. In fact, God knew you would be here before you did. Dios sabía que usted y yo íbamos a pasar por esto antes que pasáramos. How many of you believe that? And he told us at the beginning of the year, I have gone ahead of you. Nos dijo al principio del año, yo iré delante de ti. And how many of you can bear witness that God has gone ahead of you? ¿Cuántos saben que Dios ha ido delante de usted? preparando uh, y haciendo provisión para su vida. He's made provision for our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, we're going to begin at verse 8 tonight. Comenzando en el verso 8 esta noche. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, one translation says masterpiece, we are his masterpiece 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the promises of the scripture, which are provisions for our daily life. And we ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word tonight. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear God's word with a heart full of faith. We ask that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. First of all, let's talk about a little bit of Greek tonight. Primero vamos a hablar un poco del griego. Of course, you know the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And the word that uh, I have read to you tonight as workmanship or masterpiece is in the Greek, the word poema. What does that sound like to anybody? That sound familiar to anybody? Sound like poem? Now, in Spanish, it kind of gives it away, right? Poema. Uh, es la palabra griega que se usa aquí para describir la hechura o la uh, obra maestra de Dios. Esa es una palabra griega. And so uh, I shared with you last week that you are God's masterpiece. Compartí con ustedes la semana pasada que usted es la obra maestra de Dios. You are God's poem. Uh, usted es la, la, el poema, la, la obra maestra de Dios. And I hope that uh, you will capture from that that the, the thing that defines your life is the word of God. Because that's what a poem is, isn't it? It's a collection of words. Un poema, en nuestro sentido, es una colección de palabras. Y eso es lo que, la razón que yo menciono esto esta tarde. Porque para que usted y yo entendamos bien cómo es que Dios opera en nuestra vida es de que usted y yo somos la obra somos la, 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 el resultado de la palabra de Dios we are the work of God's word we are the result of God's word God created the world by his word and he created us by his word Dios creó el mundo por su palabra nos creó a nosotros por su palabra he also well, we were born again by the word of God Fuimos nacido de nuevo por la palabra de Dios. And so we are creatures of the word. Somos criatura de la palabra de Dios. If you want your life to be a masterpiece, you need to become familiar with what has God said about you. Si usted quiere que su vida sea una obra maestra, es importante que usted y yo tengamos, tengamos una buena idea de lo que Dios ha dicho concerniente a nosotros. Because God has said a lot about you. Uh, Dios ha dicho mucho a, a favor de tu vida. The Bible is full of more than 7,000 promises about you. Hay más de 7,000 promesas en la palabra de Dios que conciernen tu vida. Somebody should say amen. Now you don't need to know all 7,000 of them because one promise at a time will get you a real long distance. But you got to know the promises of God. Si usted dice, yo no las conozco todas. Está bien, una sola promesa puede cambiar su vida y una promesa a la vez lo lleva mucho en mucha distancia con Dios. Pero es importante saber que somos la hechura de la boca y la palabra de Dios. It's important then to understand that we are the work and workmanship of God's word. And the, the, the reality that we are creatures of the word means that we live, we exist by what God has spoken 
And I want to encourage you to be in your Bible, not just uh, in this hard season, but in every season of your life. You should be in the Bible, and the Bible should be in you. Uh, there's sometimes uh, just a little phrase of the scripture that gets stuck in my spirit like a splinter. It just, I just soak on it. You've got to uh, cultivate the word of God in your heart, in your mind. It is life to your, uh, to your spiritual man. Now, here we have the Apostle Paul. And tonight I'm going to talk about uh, good works. And primarily I want to talk about God's assignment on your life. Esta noche vamos a hablar sobre las buenas obras y uh, mayormente vamos a hablar sobre la asignación que Dios tiene sobre tu vida. But first I need to make a distinction between the, there's two types of works that Paul uh, mentions here. Hay dos formas o dos clases de obras que Pablo menciona aquí. In verse 8 and 9, he tells us how we were saved. En el verso 8 y 9, él nos dice cómo fuimos salvos. How many of you are saved? ¿Cuántos son salvos? Listen, if you're not saved, there's no decision in your life more important than that tonight. Si usted no es salvo, usted no tiene ni una decisión más alta esta noche que esa. I don't care if, uh, if you're thinking about buying a house, buying a car, going to college, getting married. None of that matters if you're not saved. Because salvation is not only God's gift to you in this life, it is the only way to enjoy his presence in eternity. And so if you're saved, shout amen. amen. How are you saved? The Bible says, it says, by grace we have been saved. ¿Qué dice la Escritura? ¿Cómo fuimos salvos? Por la gracia. I said, uh, I shared with you on Sunday morning that grace has two meanings. The first meaning is the unmerited favor of God. Les uh, expliqué el domingo que la gracia es el favor inmerecido de Dios. Entonces fuimos salvos por un acto del favor de Dios de cual no merecimos. We are saved by an act of God's grace, God's mercy. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It has to be received by faith. No se compra, no se vende, no se puede uh, alcanzar a través de algún mérito. Tiene que ser recibido por fe. And so we are saved by grace through faith. Somos salvos por la gracia mediante la fe. Everyone say that with me. I am saved by grace through faith. Who are you saved from? You're saved from sin. Anybody saved from sin? Saved from death. You're saved from the devil. And you're saved from the wrath of God. Say amen, somebody. Isn't that good news? I said, isn't that good news? De que fue salvo? Fue salvo del pecado. Fue salvo de la muerte. Salvo del poder del diablo. Y salvo de la ira de Dios. Que buenas nuevas, no? Poder ser salvo. Pablo nos hace muy claro que nuestra salvación es por fe, uh, uh, median, por la gracia de Dios, mediante la fe. He says uh, here, uh, this is a very well-known scripture, so I'm just reciting what most of you know by memory. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Esto no nació de mí, ni de usted. Esto fue, da fue dado por don de Dios. How many of you know that this didn't come out of you? It came as a gift from God, not as a result of works. 
So here's the first time Paul uses the word works in those three verses. And he's talking about the fact that you cannot be saved by deeds or good works. By good deeds or good works. Usted ahora, dice Pablo, fue salvo como don de Dios, no por obras. Eso nos hace muy claro que el hombre no puede ser salvo mediante buenas dádivas o buenas obras. Not all of the giving to charity. Not all of the not all of the going and volunteering your time for the Red Cross or the Salvation Army or the food bank at Kingsway Church. Not all of giving your money to the poor can earn you salvation. It must be received by faith. Todas las obras buenas que usted puede hacer puede ser voluntario para la Cruz Roja. Puede ser voluntario aquí uh, en el, uh, cuando damos, repartimos comida uh, para nuestra comunidad. Puede dar todo su dinero a los pobres. Esto no le garantiza, no le compra la salvación. Why not, preacher? What does the Bible say? So that, this is by a, a gift of grace, so that no one may boast. ¿Para qué es esto? Para que nadie se jacte y dice, diga, yo lo hice. Yo me salvé. Uh, no one will be able to go to heaven and say, I saved myself. Nadie podrá ir al cielo y decir, yo me salvé a mí mismo. Everyone in heaven, get me right, there are going to be millions of saints in heaven. Va a haber millones de santos en el cielo. Cada uno de ellos va a decir, soy salvo por la gracia de Dios mediante la fe. Every one of the millions of saints in heaven will have to say, I've been saved by grace through faith. That's why every time we start singing about the blood and singing about the cross and singing about the, the sacrifice of Jesus, my heart leaps I get excited, I get emotional, I get, uh, I, I'm in awe of God because I think about the fact that if he hadn't come and died on the cross and shed his blood for our sin, we'd be lost forevermore, subject to the wrath of God and the bondage of the devil. But he came and he shed his blood and he saved us by his grace. And not a single work of mine or yours could do that. But then Paul goes on and he says that there are good works that God has prepared for us. Pero luego dice Pablo en el verso 10 que hay buenas obras que son preparadas para nosotros. Now this is the second kind of works. And these are the works we do not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. Estas buenas obras ahora son uh, lo que hacemos no para ser salvos, sino porque soy salvo. Listen, I can't tithe 10% of my income in order to get saved. You understand that? Say yes or no. All in favor, say aye. All right, we get that. You can't tithe 10% of your income in order to get saved. But when you get saved, you want to tithe 10% of your income. So it's not what produced salvation. It's produced by salvation. Ahora, yo no puedo diezmar para ser salvo, pero ahora soy salvo, quiero diezmar. Ahora, esa buena obra es el resultado de la salvación. How many of you know that you are different from when you didn't know Jesus? When I forgive someone who has offended me, 
I can't do that and get saved, but I do that because I'm saved. I don't come to church in order to get saved. I come to church because I am saved. Say amen, somebody. Yo no vengo a la iglesia para ser salvo. Yo vengo porque soy salvo. Hay una, una motivación distinta ahora. Now there is a distinct motive in my life. And these are the things I want to talk about tonight. Sobre esto yo quiero hablar esta noche. That there is a work that you and I are going to do as a result of the work that Jesus has done in our heart. Como resultado de la obra que Cristo ha hecho en nuestra vida, hay cambios ahora que producen buenas obras en nosotros. Algunos enseñan que si usted va a la iglesia seguidamente va a ser salvo. No, el ir a la iglesia es el resultado de la salvación. Y ahora vamos a estudiar lo que son estas buenas obras. So let's talk tonight because verse 10 is the central piece of this series we're in right now. It says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So you were created by God for good works. Usted fue creado por Dios para buenas obras. Now just jot these down uh, real quick because I'm going to move past this in just a moment. But I want you to jot this down for later study. Titus 3.1, Tito 3.1, nos dice que debemos estar listos para buenas obras. Titus 3.1 says we should be ready for every good work. Are you ready? The believer must always be ready to serve. El creyente debe siempre estar listo para servir. Siempre listo para las buenas obras. Titus 3.8 says we should be careful to maintain good works. Tito 3.8 nos dice debemos tener cuidado mantener buenas obras. That means that we are constantly cultivating a servant heart. Siempre cultivando un corazón de siervo. This is why it's important that you and I commit to serving. Uh, in this in an, as an example, serving here at the body of Christ. Uh, when you commit, you are creating a habit of serving in your life. Cuando usted se compromete a servir, usted está formando un hábito de servicio en su vida. And then Titus 3.14, they're all in the same chapter. Uh, y luego Tito 3.14, it says learn to do good works. Dice, aprende a hacer buenas obras. It may not come naturally to you to do good works or to serve. Uh, Quizás no sea natural para uno servir. Pero uh, caminando con el Espíritu Santo, Él nos va enseñando a hacer buenas obras. The Holy Spirit will teach you to do good works. This is the will of God for our life. Esta es la voluntad de Dios para nuestra vida. And you notice there he says we were created for this purpose. Fuimos creados para este propósito. I'm not going to get into tonight the fact that you were created. That's a, a Bible established fact. So I'm not going to discuss all of the evolution and so on that's discussed in our world. The Bible says we were created by God. Say amen if you believe that. And God created you for something, and that was to do his work in the world. He created you for good works. Dios te creó a ti para buenas obras. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7, everyone called by my name and created 
for my glory, whom I indeed have formed and made. I want you to first understand, you were created for the glory of God. Usted fue creado para la gloria de Dios. Isaías 43, verso 7, nos dice que nos llamó por su nombre y nos creó para su gloria. There ought to be over every one of our lives this decision. God is going to get glory out of my life. God's going to get glory out of every season of my life. And when you do good works, when you serve the Lord, you are giving him glory. Cuando usted sirve a Dios, usted le está trayendo gloria a Dios. We're going to read another verse about that in just a moment. Uh, so I won't uh, belabor the point. I just want you to be clear as where we're, what we're pointing at tonight is that you were created to bring glory to God and you're created to do good works. Listen to verse 10. It says, for he, for we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for, work, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. Now there's a word here, a couple words, prepared beforehand. And this is what I'm going to talk about tonight is this assignment that God has over your life. Ahí dice Pablo que Dios nos creó para buenas obras que él preparó de antemano para que camináramos en ello. Y eso voy a hablar esta noche sobre la asignación que Dios tiene para nuestra vida. Now there are two concepts that sometimes they get blurred together. Hay dos conceptos a veces se... Uh, se confunden en nuestra cultura. The, the world has a concept of destiny. El mundo tiene un concepto del destino. And their, their concept of destiny goes back to the Greek uh, religion of the concept of fate. Ese concepto de destino tiene su origen en el concepto griego uh, de, uh, del destino el cual uh, los griegos enseñaban que había un destino para cada vida y no se podía cambiar, sea malo o bueno. Y de eso viene mucho la idea de mala suerte o buena suerte. And the concept of fate, that, that pagan idea that there's a, 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 a plan over your life that's going to happen and some people are fated with good things and some are fated with bad things and so on. Uh, is going to be the course of your life. That's not the biblical teaching of uh, or understanding of destiny. Este no es el principio ni tampoco la enseñanza de la palabra de Dios sobre el destino. In fact, the word of God uses the word uh, in, in Greek uh, here that, uh, that gives us the idea uh, of the fact that God has put things in place. El, el Nuevo Testamento mejor usa una palabra que significa que Dios ha puesto las cosas en su lugar. In other words, God has put all the right pieces in your life so that you can do the thing he wants and created you to do. Now, fate says you'll never, you'll never get off the track. But God has given to every man free will. And that means that some people will never fulfill the plan of God for their life. Because they will not walk 
with him. Muchos, entonces, entendiendo esto, Dios ha puesto todo en su lugar, pero muchos nunca entenderán ni caminarán en ese plan que Dios tiene para su vida porque se rebelan contra Dios y no quieren caminar con Él. How many of you tonight want to walk according to what God has laid out for your life? ¿Cuántos quieren vivir conforme lo que Dios tiene para su vida? That's, the, that's what I want to call tonight the assignment that's over your life. Es lo que yo quiero llamar esta noche la asignación que Dios tiene para tu vida. Some people call it a calling. And that's a good word. Algunos le llaman un llamado. I'm not going to call it a calling tonight because often when you hear calling, you think preacher. And some people are called to be a doctor. But we think calling means preacher. You understand? So I'm not going to use the word calling tonight because I don't want you to get say, tune out and say, well, I'm not going to be a preacher, so this sermon is not for me. All right? Everyone in this room has a call. Or an assignment. Some people would call it a purpose. A God-given assignment over your life. Todos tienen una asignación de parte de Dios. Algunos le llaman llamado, otros tu propósito. Yo le voy a llamar asignación. No voy a usar la palabra llamado, aunque es una buena palabra, pero muchos piensan, si oyen llamado, piensan predicador. Si eres llamado, es predicador. Todos los demás no tienen llamado. Esa no es la realidad. Some people think, well, if you have a calling, you're a preacher. Everyone else doesn't have a calling. Wrong. Everyone has a call. Everyone has an assignment. Say that with me tonight. Every person has a divine assignment. Cada persona tiene una asignación divina. We read it right here. Look at what it says. He says, you are God's masterpiece created for good works which God prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. That's your assignment. God, before you were born, before the world was even created, God planned an assignment for your life. Antes de que usted naciera o que el mundo fuera creado, Dios escribió una asignación para su vida. And you know, there's nothing in life more fulfilling than knowing that you are on assignment. And that you're fulfilling God's divine assignment for your life. No hay nada en la vida más que llena más al hombre que poder caminar sabiendo yo estoy caminando la asignación que Dios me dio. And I think there must be nothing more frustrating in life and to go around through life and not know what is my assignment, why did God put me on the earth. Debe ser muy frustrante caminar en la vida y no saber por qué Dios me puso aquí y cuál es mi asignación, qué es lo que Dios tiene para mi vida. So tonight I want to talk to you about that assignment. We're going to carry this on to our next study together because this is such an important discussion. Uh, es tan, tan importante esto. Uh, también vamos a hablar sobre esto en la, las, los estudios que vienen. Porque usted entendiendo su asignación es muy importante para poder cumplir el propósito de Dios en su vida. For you to know your assignment and to walk in it is, uh, is so important to you being able to fulfill that in your life. Now I uh, can say I've been very blessed because I've known what my assignment was since I was 
five or six years old. I knew that I was going to be a preacher. Now, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I didn't know I was going to be the president of a denomination, but I knew I was going to preach the gospel. And so I've had the blessing of walking in my assignment pretty much my whole life. So I'm just telling you, there's nothing in your life more fulfilling than knowing I'm walking in my assignment. Now, God's assignments are different for every person, but every person has an assignment. Say that tonight, I have an assignment. Now, I know some of you don't like the word assignment because assignment meant homework. Well, it's a little homework sometimes, isn't it? Figuring out, what did God put me on the earth to do? But I want to just help you understand tonight, you have an assignment from God. Now, that is an important thing which can vary. My assignment has been to preach the gospel. I also have an assignment to be a, a husband to Rebecca. I also have an assignment to be a teacher of the word. I have an assignment to be a, a developer of future ministers. I have an assignment uh, to be a brother and an uncle in my family. All of these things shape the assignment that God has over my life. Some of you are assigned by God to be a lawyer or a doctor or a carpenter or a, uh, a judge, or a, a public official. Some of you are assigned by God to be a housewife and a mother, to be uh, a nurse, or uh, to be involved in the health profession. Some of you are assigned by God to be coaches, or, or to be a physical trainer. I don't know what all the assignments are that God has given. They are as varied and as creative as God. And the the fact that you have an assignment means that if you're doing what God assigned you to do, whether if you're a carpenter and that's your assignment from God, that you can bring God glory when you, when you do carpentry. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Exodus, when they built the tabernacle, God said, I have put my anointing upon Bethuel that he might build the tabernacle. That man was anointed by God to be a carpenter. You think anointing, you think Benny Hinn, Billy Graham, right? But, but really, God says, I can anoint you to swing a hammer. And it's so beautiful to realize that the anointing of God uh, and the, 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 the purpose of God can transcend every area and aspect of your life. Here's the second thing I want you to know tonight, that every season has an assignment. Todo... Toda persona tiene un asignamiento o asignación, pero también toda época y todo tiempo tiene una asignación. Every season has an assignment. How many of you understand that life goes in seasons? And God works in seasons. Todos entendemos que Dios trabaja en épocas, en, en tiempos en nuestra vida. Go to Isaiah chapter 26. Vaya a Isaías capítulo 26, verso 8. Look at Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. If you bring your Bible to Bible study. If you don't have a Bible, look it up on your digital device there. Isaiah 26, verse 8. Indeed, while following the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you eagerly. For your name, even your fame, is the desire of our souls. Now, 
There's a word there, the word judgment. And you might wonder and say, why would we follow God's judgments? Well, when you don't understand something like that, you can go and study it a little bit and see what the original word meant. And the original word uh, in the Hebrew there is mishpat, which means time, times, or verdicts. So the, the Isaiah is saying, while, while following or studying God's seasons and waiting eagerly for him, his name and his fame is the desire of my soul. Isaiah is teaching us a whole lot here. First of all, he's saying that you and I need to study God's times. And we need to discern what's the season I'm living in right now. Isaiah dice, siguiendo los juicios de Dios. Y en el hebreo, la palabra interpretada como juicio es la palabra mishpat, que significa los tiempos de Dios. Isaías nos enseña que debemos estudiar y discernir los tiempos de Dios. We have to learn to study and discern God's time. We're living in a very, how many of you would doubt that we're living in a time right now? Boy, what a time we're having, right? This is a specific time. And God has set this time for a purpose. And, and Isaiah says, while doing that, I discovered that as I waited on God, his fame, his glory became my desire. You see, when you understand I'm living in a season written and planned by God, I want to know how to glorify him in this season. I want to know how to fulfill my assignment in this season. And along with that, then we understand that every season has an assignment. Listen, just look at life as an example. Mire la vida como un ejemplo. Childhood. What's the assignment of childhood? To grow, to learn, to develop. ¿Cuál es la asignación del tiempo de la niñez? Ese es tiempo de madurar, de crecer, de aprender. The Royal Rangers have a saying. It says that play is a boy's work. Little boys like to build things, like to blow things up, tear things down, uh, you know, burn ants with a magnifying glass, take apart an old radio. What are they doing? They're learning. Little girls like to do other stuff, right? I had brothers, so I don't know what little girls did. But uh, the learning part of that season is so important and vital. There's, a, there's an assignment on that. And that's why we don't allow children to go to work and have sweat factories. That meant somebody. No, you're saying I need my kids to go to work, Pastor. If they can't go to school, let them go to work right now because we got we get some too much time on our hands. You see, there's an assignment there. What happens if you put a child in, uh, if you take that season of childhood and you transfer it into the season of adolescence? And the season of young adulthood. Si usted transfiere ese, esa, esa época y ahora entra a la adolescencia y luego a la, a la, al ser adulto joven, ahora ya jugar como jugaba antes no conviene. ¿Por qué? Porque hay una asignación nueva. When you get to be an adolescent, when you get to, get to, be, to be a teenager or a young adult, now the assignment has changed. 
and taking apart old radios and burning ants and, and building mud pies is no longer an adequate use of your time. Because there's a new assignment on that season of your life. And you and I will understand that as we walk with God, there are assignments on the seasons of our life. There are sometimes we go into a season where God's assignment on our life is to learn. And, and I'll give you an example because I see it often. A young man feels called by God to preach, and God says, I'm not putting you in a preaching season. I'm putting you in a learning season. Well, I don't want to go to Bible school. I don't want to sit in the classroom. I don't want to read. Well, guess what? That's the assignment right now. And if you'll fulfill the assignment of this season, then you'll have the material, the equipment, and the tools you need for the next season. Say amen, somebody. Today's season is giving birth to tomorrow's. And what you're sowing now in this season is going to give you a harvest in the next. Say amen, somebody. A este tiempo, esta, lo que usted está sembrando en este tiempo, lo va a cosechar en el tiempo que viene. And so this season, perhaps right now, you're in a season of prayer, of intercession. A veces hay tiempos de oración, de intercesión. Sometimes there are seasons of building. A veces hay tiempos de, de edificar. And wherever... Wherever you are, if you'll understand this season, you can bring glory to God by fulfilling your assignment in that season. Usted puede traerle gloria a Dios entendiendo la asignación que Dios tiene para usted en ese tiempo. And so it's important that you and I uh, understand the value of that. It's importante entender el valor de eso. Number three, your assignment will require passionate pursuit. Número tres, tu asignamiento requiere que lo persigas con pasión. Say that with me tonight. My assignment will require passionate pursuit. You know, this is so important because a lot of times the Pentecostal church, we just think like, well, if it's, if it's God's will, it'll happen. A veces eh, la iglesia pentecostés pensamos de esta manera. Si es la voluntad de Dios, va a pasar. But if you understand what Paul is saying here, Paul says God has put in place all the things you need to fulfill your assignment, but you have to go and work it. You can't just sit on the front porch and expect stuff to be delivered by Amazon. God doesn't do prime. All right. He expects you to go and work the assignment. Nobody said amen. You have to pursue it with passion. Algunos piensan, bueno, si es la voluntad de Dios, va a pasar. Si no, no. No, lo que Dios está enseñando aquí a través de Pablo es que el Señor ha puesto los pasos, los medios los recursos, la provisión que usted necesita y yo necesito para poder llegar a, a, a cumplir la asignación, pero usted y yo lo tenemos que perseguir. ¿Qué dice el Señor Jesús? El reino de Dios sufre violencia y los valientes lo arrebatan. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. If you're going to fulfill your assignment, you're going to need some passion. Si usted va a cumplir su asignación, va a requerir pasión. 
How many of you are passionate about what God has put in your life? If you're not, don't expect much. And a lot of people get frustrated because they say, well, what's the difference between me and them? Uh, I see them prospering. I see them getting a growing in ministry, and I, I feel like I'm lagging behind. I can guarantee you most of it is a, a loss or lack of passion. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 and 46. Mateo capítulo 13, verso 44 y al 46. If you have passion, say amen. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Matthew 13, 44. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Dice uh, Mateo 13, 44, el reino del cielo, de los cielos es comparado en un hombre que encontró un tesoro en una labor habiendo encontrado lo escondió de nuevo y por el gozo fue y vendió todo lo que tenía para comprar la labor that sound like passion he finds a treasure in the field and he says I cannot live without this and I'm willing to stake everything I know and everything I have on possessing that does that describe your heart for God tonight? That's what passion looks like. That's what produces revival. When people say, nothing will stop me from getting to God. And then Jesus gives us another example. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pearl. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus here, friends, is describing the passion that it takes to receive the fullness of the kingdom of God. Do you want to live out your assignment? Say amen if you are. If you want to, then guess what? It's going to cost you something. No, I don't want, we don't want to hear that, right? We don't want to hear, Pastor, you just spoke about grace, the unmerited favor of God. I don't want it to cost me nothing, but there is a cost to walking in this assignment. That's why Jesus said that if you're going to follow him, count the cost. Because in order to do the thing God assigned you to do, you're going to have to decide what things you're not going to do. What's not going to get your attention? What's not going to get your time? What's not going to get your money? Listen, any of you who've ever been saving up for a down payment, or saving up to buy something cash. You know that you've had to walk, walk past the snow cone stand, right? It's like, not today. You had to drive by McDonald's and Dairy Queen and go home and eat a peanut butter sandwich. Because right now we're sacrificing everything we don't need in order to get that thing, that treasure, that next step. Have you ever been there? Guess what? God honors that. God honors that when you say, God, your assignment on my life is more valuable than any other thing. And many of you in here, when you sense the assignment of God on your life, you went and got into school, you went and got into Bible college, 
or uh, you went into a vocational school, you started driving and learning and sacrificing in order to get to the place where you could do the thing God required you to do. And I just want, want to think about this, that God is not impressed by potential. He's impressed by faith-filled passions. Dios no es impresionado por el potencial. Es impresionado por la fe motivada por la pasión. Listen, have you ever, we've all seen it, haven't we? People with great potential. We th you know, you, they, they're the who's who in, in school. And, and then you drive by and look at them and you're like, what happened? So much potential. But you know that potential doesn't make success. That should excite some of us because we didn't have all that much potential, but we're succeeding. Because the difference is not potential. The difference is passion. The difference is a faith that says, I'm going to do what God put in my life to do, whatever it takes, however long it takes, I'm going to get it done, and God's going to get the glory. Say amen, somebody. Because, you know, we might just say, well, if, if it's in me, it'll come out. Not without a whole lot of squeezing. And I've, I've read studies, uh, I'll mention the fact that uh, people with dyslexia, it's a, 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 a particular process of, uh, that disables an, a person's ability to read uh, conventionally, and people with dyslexia have been found to be more successful than people without it. Why? Why is it that someone who has a disadvantage in reading can go further than someone that doesn't? Because many times the people who don't have the disadvantage, who don't have the, the, the lack of resources, who don't have the, the ability, don't have to fight for it. There's no passion needed. And the person that has to fight for every inch ends up going further. Because they make up their mind early. If I'm going to win, I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to push. There's going to have to be some passion behind what I'm going to do. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you might as well make up your mind. That what you're going to do for God is going to cost you something. It's going to require something. But it's worth it. Get in the fight and stay on fire until you see God do what he has assigned you to do. The passion will pay off. Same thing is, is uh, uh, demonstrated by studies regarding the, the, the children of wealthy people. It is very unlikely to see someone who inherited a lot of wealth have the same amount of wealth or more when they die. And many children of wealthy people have nothing to leave to their children. What happened? There's no passion. It comes easy. And then somebody else who didn't have a nickel didn't have two dimes to rub, to rub together, as they say, fights and passionately pursues the promise of God over their life and becomes a success. You see, the difference there is not that you have a lot of potential. What's important is that you know you have an assignment from God and you passionately pursue it until it comes into your life. And I just want to encourage you to think about this also tonight, that 
you've got to learn what it, is, what it takes to keep you motivated and passionate about God's assignment on your life. Aprenda usted mismo, aprenda a saber qué es lo que me motiva o me mantiene motivado para perseguir el propósito de Dios en mi vida. What is it that keeps me motivated? There, there are certain teachings that I hear. I hear the same teachings every few months. And have done so for years. Because it's part of what helps to remind me of certain things and bring certain things back to motivate me to move in a particular direction. Because the world is, it's so easy to get pulled in a thousand directions. Especially right now with the internet and social media, it's so easy to lose focus. And a divided focus is a loss of passion. Si se divide tu enfoque, se, se, se pierde la pasión. And so if you need to have certain Bible verses in front of you every day where you're seeing and you're being reminded, then do that. If you need to hear it every day, then do that. Whatever it takes to, to keep you focused on the assignment that God has for your life. Say amen, somebody. Let me give you this one more tonight. Your assignment will require discernment. Tu asignamiento requerirá discernimiento. Now, I don't just mean you're going to need discernment to know what the assignment is, but you're going to need discernment to get it done. Va a, tener, va a necesitar discernimiento para cumplir la asignación que Dios tiene para su vida. You're going to need to learn to discern the voice of God. Discernir la voz de Dios. Listen, if your assignment is to build a business, to fund the ministry of the, of the kingdom of God, if your assignment is to have a particular profession or career, if your assignment is to be a preacher, whatever it is, it's going to require you being tuned in to the voice of the creator. And he's the one who's going to tell you this is not the deal to make right now. Or the one who's going to tell you, make the deal. He's the one that's going to direct your steps. The Bible said there'll be a voice behind you saying, go, this is the way, walk in it. Go to the right, go to the left. This is the way, walk in it. Discerniendo la voz del Creador es importante. Es lo más básico y más esencial para poder cumplir la asignación. You know, a lot of people never try anything big for God because they're afraid of failing. Muchos nunca hacen nada grande para Dios porque temen fracasar. Look, if you're pursuing the assignment God has in your life and you're listening to the voice of God, you still might make a mistake. You might miss it sometimes. But I promise you this, as long as you fall in the direction of obeying God, God will honor you and he'll get you on track. Say amen, somebody. Mientras usted fracase queriendo cumplir con Dios y queriendo obedecer la voz de Dios, usted va a tener la habilidad para levantarse y Dios lo va a honrar. So, put the fear aside. Ponga el temor a un lado. 
porque usted va a ser guiado, está siendo guiado por la voz del Señor. You also, also need to learn to discern the voice of the stranger. También es necesario discernir la voz del engañador, del extranjero. You know, the enemy wants to thwart and destroy the assignment of God on your life. El enemigo quiere destruir la asignación que Dios tiene sobre tu vida. And he'll come and he'll lie to you. You got to learn to discern the stranger's voice. Usted tiene que discernir. Esto no viene de Dios. Esto viene del enemigo. And to be able to say, get thee behind me, Satan. And to say, that's not God's will for my life. Y poder entender, ese no es el, el deseo de Dios para mi vida. You need to discern the moments that God assigns for your life or appoints for your life. Usted tiene que saber discernir los momentos que Dios pone en tu vida. You know, our lives are pivoted by moments. Nuestras vidas son movidas por momentos. The moment you gave your life to Christ, whole new direction. The moment you said, yes, I will marry him, new direction. The moment you said, I'm going to be a member of this church, new direction. Those moments have long-lasting effects, don't they? Los momentos de nuestra vida tienen un efecto muy largo y determinan direcciones. El momento que usted se entregó a Cristo cambió la dirección. El momento que usted decidió casarse se cambió la dirección. El momento que usted decidió serse miembro de la iglesia. Todos esos momentos, cuando usted los abrazó y entendió, este es mi momento, entró al canal de bendición. You entered into the channel of God's blessing when you understood this is my moment. And you took advantage of that. We need to pray tonight that God will give us discernment so that we don't miss the moments that he has appointed for our life. No hay que perder los momentos que Dios ha puesto en nuestra vida. I believe that the breakthrough that's coming to, to your home and to your family this year, it's, it's just hinging on a moment. Where you discern, this is what God is saying. This is what God is doing. This is the time. And when you step out and you say, I'm going to believe God. You'll find God is there. We need to discern the moment we're in. Listen, uh, sometimes, I'll just give you an example. Sometimes you might be at a dinner with some very influential people or wise people or godly people. People with lots of experience. One of the things that has frustrated me a lot is when I'm at a table with, with some great men of God and there's somebody there who, who just has to prove how smart they are. And you're like, this is not the time for that. You've got to discern the moment. Your moment is to be quiet and to listen. This is not your time to teach. This is your time to learn, to ask a good question and be quiet. And if you can discern those moments when you say, God is, is, has put me in a moment to learn something, to obtain information, to get ahead, or he's put me in a moment to speak up, to teach, to instruct, and you walk in the moment divinely assigned by God, you find yourself fulfilling the assignment that God has for you. 
Just like Joseph was able to perceive that moment when they said, Pharaoh is calling you. And he walked right onto the spot that God had designed for him. And just like Joshua, who was able to discern, this is the moment when God has called me to the leadership of Israel. And just like Daniel, who was able to discern when he came into the king's presence, this is the moment for my uh, promotion. God is going to give you moments that are going to define the next 20 years of your life. Be discerning. Have your radar on. Let the Spirit speak. And capture the Spirit's voice in this day, in this hour, in this season, fulfilling your assignment for the glory of God. Would you stand tonight? Let's just lift our hands and say, Lord, I receive discernment for this hour. I receive wisdom for this hour. I receive passion for this hour. I don't want to miss what you're doing in my world. Come on, just speak to the Lord tonight. Get your hunger up. Elevate your passion. To say, God, we don't want to miss this moment. You knew beforehand that we would be living in this pandemic. And you put us here with an assignment. Let us discern the assignment. And walk in it. If America ever needed the church. If Texas ever needed the church. If B County ever needed Kingsway Church. It's now. Oh God let us discern the assignment of heaven. Over this season. And let us walk in it. Without fear. Without compromise. Without concern or worry. For your name and for your fame, O oh God, is the desire of our soul. God has prepared some great things beforehand so that you would walk in them. Walk in them now. Walk in them by faith.